it's time to learn some lore. This week, we're looking at the Mad Mage himself, Halister Blackcloak, how you can add a story to Dungeon of the Mad Mage, and how to use that campaign in any setting of your choice. Welcome to We Speak Common. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the D&D podcast for everyone because here we speak common. This is the show brought to you in partnership with The Dice Dungeon, your one-stop shop for beautifully made metal, resin and now glass D&D dice. Yes, glass D&D dice. I too was a little bit nervous when I heard it but upon seeing them on the website, oh my god. They're gorgeous, and if you are worried about rolling them, just grab yourself a felt-lined rolling tray, or maybe even a dice scroll from the Dice Dungeon while you're there. And hey, we've had like three book announcements in the last month. Pre-order one of those bad boys while you're over there, and use the code WESPEAKCOMMON for 10% off your entire basket on checkout. Uh, All the links to their website and all that kind of stuff, all the goodness in the description below. We're also partnered with the incredible service known as Describe, spelled D-S-C-R-Y-B. Describe is your one-stop shop for creative writing. If you flunked out of your English GCSE like me, that's a lie. I I, I scraped the barrel. (laughs) Then uh, go and have a look at what they've got going on. They are uh, hiring professional creative writers to give you box text for your home games like you would find in published D&D adventures and uh, and you can fit them into any homebrew world or, or game you've got going on whether it's a one shot or a full-on level 20 campaign there's loads of them for free but if you want to get full access to the entire catalog that grows every single week over 1500 uh, pieces of box text for you then you need to subscribe you get 10 percent off your monthly subscription for two years every single month with the code COMMON at checkout. There's a link to that in the description too. Uh, I do just want to give a big shout out to those of you that support the show directly on Patreon. It's been booming this week. We've, I think we've made, well, I think a handful of people, I don't even know the number, a handful of people have uh, rejoined or have joined the server and are supporting the show directly. We hang out on the We Speak Common server. We talk about D&D, about life, the universe and everything. And we have a general laugh. And uh, we also sit in the VC channels and talk to each other on pretty much a daily basis at the moment. It's my favourite place to hang on the internet. And I don't just say that because, you know, uh, I made it. I actually do genuinely really, really love it. So if you want to come and join us there, supporting the show directly on Patreon is the way to do that. If you don't want to do that, because who wants to pay for free content on the internet? I'm with you. You go, girl. Just do me a favour and share the podcast with your D&D fellow friends and groups and, and whatnot. Even your D&D enemies. Send it to Jarlaxle. Right, with all of that done and out of the way... You may have heard him laugh halfway through the intro. That's cool. I'm glad I made you. I'm glad I made you smile. Sam, how you doing? Apologies. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I gotta leave I it in know. now that I've said that as well. Yeah. No, you got me there. It, it tickled me. I was trying to hold it back the whole time, but hey. Yeah. It's the uh, the classic British humour. Yeah. Classic. How do you uh, find yourself on this ridiculously hot day? Oh, I've had a great day. F1. Yep. Lewis Hamilton bringing it home. Oh, mm-hmm. fabulous. I knew I've been... you were going to talk about that. Oh. I was waiting for it. I had to stop myself from texting you like, oh, I bet you're happy, boy. Yeah, I absolutely <laughs> lost my shit today. And it was, mm-hmm. it, was, it was very nerving at the start. And then it all went well. And I was like, yeah, okay. 
good result for my boy Lando as well. Uh, people yeah. that aren't into F1. Two very good drivers that I wanted to win. To win, yeah. Got Mate, decent positions. If only we'd have won the Euros as well, we'd both be celebrating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> now, Sam is joining me from the echo chamber that is his bedroom? No, it's a, it's a dining room. Oh, that's why it's so echoey, you bastard. You just don't care about the <laughs> listeners of this podcast. I, uh, I need to eat as well, so... Yeah, you, well, know, you better I've... not be eating while we're talking. I will slap you. I've got a roast dinner just sitting here, like... Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> classic classic English roast. Um, and are you, are you... Are you at the house with the really shit Wi-Fi as well? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this sort could go awfully, expected. but... Um, it could be, it could be, it could be quite bad. <laughs> As I say, I mean, do you know what? I say every week that, you know, we put in the highest production value into this show every single week, mm. but it's nice for it not being me causing the potential problems for a week, so... Yeah, that's Thanks good. That. You yeah. know, you have been causing problems for quite a few mm. weeks, and a lot of the people in management have been, you know, having issues mm. with that. You know, mm -hmm. they're having to set you bigger budgets because you know, there are so many problems coming out of it. Look, when your management good. consists of immortal beings from the realms of space, there's not really much you can do to please them. Exactly. You just kind of have to deal with it. I, I try my best. Look, <laughs> as long as they don't possess me and, and send me to Conquer Worlds, I'm happy. So mm. there's that. Um, cool. Okay. Well, with all the pleasantries out of the way, let's talk about D&D. &D. Let's do that thing that we do. That, and yeah. I, I'm... I'm I'm kind of excited about this one, I think. I have wanted to talk about this for a little while. I've, I've sort of thrown the idea out there a couple of times, and do you know what? We've sworn a few times already. Fuck it, this time we're doing it. Um, <laughs> so this is a Legends and Lore episode all about, well, kind of two things, really. Halister Blackcloak and the Mega Dungeon, the, the Mega Dungeon of all Mega Dungeons, Under Mountain and how you can take that and use it in any game, but also how you can add a bit of story to the, the Dungeon of the Mad Mage adventure, which is sorely lacking it. So I guess the best place to start then would be the lore of both Halaster and Undermountain, right? So how much do you know going into this, Sam? Um... Loads. Uh, me and mm -hmm. Halister are actually like best mates, and he tells me all about the Undermountain quite mm. quite frequently. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I know a couple of things. I, I there's stuff that I've learned sort of um, naturally through playing in your games, and yeah, you're in in the games. It like lore is presented in a nice way where you learn at the same time. So yeah, I don't know. I've learned. Naturally, because when I was watching, when I used to sit in for the dragon dragon heist, um, there was Halaster actually appeared, I believe. Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, and he was crazy. He was mental. He was like a yes. very, he was a very interesting like from a role play perspective, like a very interesting character to see because it was like, oh shit, this guy's been driven mad by this place that he is in. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I know that, that there are certain things I know, but there, there's definitely like some black spots that I'm like, who? Do you mean black cloaks? 
sorry black cloaks that's yeah that's awful that's an awful <laughs> joke um okay cool so i will talk about how i've used halister a little bit later and that will come into like the, the way i used him was to set up a, an ongoing story for dungeon of the man mage should the players go that way so i'll talk about that later but let's let's talk about who the man the myth and the legend actually is so so those of you that have no idea who Halister Blackcloak is, he is the aforementioned mad mage who inhabits the mega dungeon known as Undermountain that sits underneath the city of Waterdeep on the Sword Coast. And this dungeon has been a massive part of D&D for years. Loads of, I mean, I think you, I, there's a book that tried to... It was, it was kind of... It did what Dungeon the Mad Mage did, but on a lesser level, it gave out loads of the levels in, I think third and fourth edition there are a couple of them so it, it goes back quite a few years i think it goes back even further than that but halister was a human known as uh Hilitha. that was his, his birth name and he was a wizard he was very good and he would you know do what wizards do and hold these spell moots where all these wizards would come together and they would talk and exchange secrets and spells and he would take on hundreds and hundreds of apprentices like he wasn't that kind of wizard that just had one he had loads and he went a bit mad with power to an extent not the madness that he's now known for but he kind of went a bit power hungry a bit power crazy and he took his seven best apprentices and this is, I've got to say, this is paraphrasing as well, because uh, with any well-known D&D character, there's like ridiculous amounts of lore and you could go yeah. f- so much deeper than this, but we're going to get to the <laughs> point that you need to use him. Um, he took his seven apprentices who who were then from that point known as the seven, um, like a ripoff of the boys, and he went to <laughs> the location that would later become Waterdeep. So... As a bit of history, this is where Undermountain and Halister kind of cross over to begin with. The Waterdeep is a city built on Mount Waterdeep, right? And that location, thousands of years in the past, like before, we're talking like a, an age or two before when locations that we know as names had different names. There were different civilizations and different, uh, what's the word? Um like alliances and stuff like they had all the places had different names because they were different races and different people there was an elven civilization that settled on the site of mount waterdeep and they had like a city or like a town or or whatever they they refer to it in their their language they had a a place of living and something happened they decided that they didn't want to be there anymore and the law gets kind of fuddled some people say they wanted to transcend to a different plane Others say that they wanted to just move and go somewhere else. Um, they, they were very powerful magic users. This is like before the time of magic as we know it now, back like before even the Neferees and and 10th and, le- and 12th level, uh, level magic spells and things. So they were extremely powerful. And so these elves did this ritual. They decided they were going to either up and leave and go to another plane or they were going to leave and go somewhere else. But they decided that they wanted to leave no trace of their existence here. And so they they cast this ritual, this spell, and it removed the essence of them. That in itself is very, very difficult to do and really, really sort of like naughty magic that you don't really want to put your fingers in. But they did it. But being wizards, um, 
and spellcasters and, and people of the weave, they they fucked it up <laughs> as per usual. And they left this kind of like essence in the weave. So the weave, of course, little, if you don't know, is like a little the magic tangle. Source. Did yes, they literally. did they create like a little a little I imagine it like like a spider web and they've just gone and like in that's... removing themselves, they've just gone and you know Ooh, tied it in that's a, a really like that's a really interesting way of seeing it so i always i always imagine so the weave is like a thing that you can't imagine right it's like the like yeah. any source of magic like it's, it's a thing that's beyond comprehension but i've always imagined the weave as this this like line think of how the the timeline is represented in loki yeah that's kind of how i've always imagined it like this this line of of magic threads that are weaved together and they constantly like just move through time and through the planes that's how i've always pictured it in my head and they're tinkering with the weave and casting of this magic ritual took that straight line twisted it over itself pulled it through and pulled it so tight that there is now a permanent knot in the weave and that's how it's re- referred to in in the source material there is a knot in the weave on the site that will eventually become water deep yeah it's pretty heavy it's pretty um disastrous to think about i mean no one knows what that would mean and what that would do and i think even I think the idea is even that mistra the god goddess that that you know looks over the weave she couldn't untangle it she didn't really understand what what they'd done to to fuck it up so badly that they did they did like one of those sailor knots that was just you can you can go back from that people have tried untying it and do you do realize that sailor knots inherently are made so that they're very easy to undo i don't know i don't sail (laughs) (laughs) They're, they're knots that are really complicated because there's like one rope that if you pull it the whole thing just drops apart oh okay that's the the wrong thing to say they're yeah they're absolutely like, they're like anti-sailor knots. sure they're like <laughs> yeah, they're works. like when you um when you have a like a, a necklace that gets in a knot and all the oh yeah chain yeah no that's really annoying like, oh yeah. yeah that's yeah you so don't want that like. especially like not in your magical necklace. weave you don't want no. that no that would that would surely that i mean it'll be fine right no one's gonna go and like settle on there and go mad be fine no definitely not enter halister and the seven and at this point he is ridiculously powerful and he's at the point where he's going to uh, or he has been looking at like devils and demons and other planial creatures and things and that's where his interest is but he got a bit paranoid about it He, he poked into some people's business that he shouldn't have and the idea is that he's a little bit like oh i've seen things and they've changed me um so he gets to the site says yes this is my home now i'm gonna live here and he uh, summons a bunch of devils like low-level devils and says off you go build me a tower and that's what they do they build him a tower they're in servitude to him how badass is that like (laughs) he's really fucking cool first of all Um, he can summon demons and devils and just things from like the far realms to like drag in that that's pretty cool in its own right but the the, the bit i like more is that he's just like build me a fucking tower (laughs) (laughs) literally and you'll you'll come to understand that like when we talk about powerful creatures and powerful wizards like this guy is on another level so he they build Hallister's Hold as it's known, and I've always imagined it as like a, just a straight tower, and that's it. Mm. Um, but upon 
you know, building the foundations, they discover the ancient uh, cave systems that exist within Mount Waterdeep. And I think these like belong to dwarves at one point, and then they they were something else at another point. So like they're they're these pre-existed tunnels, and they go deep. Like they go, it they're not just it, they don't start at ground level at sea level. They start in the mountain, and they go even further down into the underdark. They're huge, and they had like a bad history with like drow attacks and stuff like that, didn't they? Yeah, I'm I pretty believe. sure they did. Yeah. yeah, because Hallister then has problems with Drow too, because he basically builds his tower, and then instead of freeing all of the devils that he's enslaved to build it, he sends them down into the tunnels and says, "Start building me a like a basement or something," and they <laughs> they, they start doing that, um, and so they sort of explore. He sends them off to explore and, and investigate, and they upset like the Drow, and they upset whoever else lives down there, and um, and all that kind of stuff. So. That's really annoying. I'm selling something on bloody Facebook marketing. They've just asked if they can come and collect it now. I'm just not going to see it until later. Tell them. Tell them to... No, I am recording a D&D podcast right now. Yeah, we need them to come on and be like... Yeah, oh, can I buy this from you? No, we're not doing that. We're absolutely (laughs) not doing that. They're not coming in my house. Anyway. New um, new sub show. (laughs) (laughs) So the... Um, this this basement starts getting built, and and Hallister and the Seven live their lives there. And there's some like one of the apprentices doesn't really like Hallister, and they fall out. And then the rest like are all with him. And like there's an inter part like interparty conflict, as you could call it. But that's not overly important. Well, I mean, it is if you want to go deep in the law. But for this, we're going to ignore it. <laughs> um. So eventually, there comes a point where Hallister decides he's going to build a dungeon right he's like i'm gonna build a big dungeon so he starts changing this basement into a dungeon and he descends into it and he becomes obsessed with building it out exploring it making it you know like look good feel good have traps have like have whatever he needs as a dungeon have like laboratory levels and a level for a spa and a level for a swimming pool and like all the stuff that a wizard needs in a big dungeon right yeah. And the six remaining apprentices follow him down there. I think they get concerned about him because he does, doesn't doesn't come back up. So they follow him down and they look for him and they start exploring. And I think like three of them die and the rest of them stay uh, apprentices to him, as far as I'm aware. I didn't focus too much on them. I focused more on Hallister in, in the recap research I did for this episode. I feel like they're quite integral to knowing Halister Blackcloak, Ben, so I'm kind of disappointed, but, you know, we move. Okay, all right, fine. <laughs> no, um, no, 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 I don't no, want to no, hear no, about it's his... Cool. Don't, oh. you, don't you test me, boy. <laughs> uh, let me just search the recesses of my brain. Uh, so you've got seven of them. Shardine uh, Malafort was a Neferese necromancer. Uh, oh, Traubriard was the metal mage. Was his name? He 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 had a gift for building metal constructs. Uh, Muarel, I think is how you pronounce that name, was the the mishappen. <laughs> they they were a great warrior <laughs> who who served as Hallister's bodyguard. Um, who was then an apprentice, and uh, the, I think the madness overcame him, and he he like he transformed into like a centaur like creature, but he had a scorpion body instead of a, a like a horse body. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Um. Yeah, Arcturia, who so came to madness as well. Uh, Jehesa, I hate this one. I never know how to pronounce this one. Jehesria Kestelharp, who I believe is the one who betrayed Halister. 
and then ah. Malin, who were, who was an apprentice who was lost to time in history. Oh, and then the seventh is Ibalathal. So there you go. Did did they Marine just not like have a cool title or anything like that? She's just Marine. Uh, well, she's the apprentice that was lost to time. But okay. Um, oh, she was lost to time. Did was she? Did she die? No. Uh, she. She was a human who specialised in absorption of arcane powers, memories, and souls. And it's rumoured that Halister took her on due to her resistance to the spell plague. That he, oh. you know, he somehow knew was coming. He, he, everyone realises that he was preparing for it after the fact, but no one knew how he knew about it. Um, she was consumed by her own experiments when she summoned a life drinker spectre, a spectre that slowly drained away her memories and life force. She existed only as a ghost for a long period of time and was tortured by said spectre until recently freed by adventurers. That will be something that happens if your party encounter her in Dungeon of the Mad Mage, I believe. And they are there. That's uh, are they like? I don't think I don't think all of them are there. Some of them are there. No. Okay. Um, because things things get retconned from edition to edition. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, they all descend down into the dungeon, and they just leave the tower, and it t- just over time turns into a ruin. And I think I don't know at what point Waterdeep begins cropping up around the hold, but it does happen. And over time, when the hold falls, Waterdeep becomes its own set city, and like that's a history of Waterdeep episode. But the tower, in my head canon, I remember reading somewhere that it fell, but I don't know whether that's true anymore. I don't know whether bits of it just fell apart and fell off. But in my mind, the tower itself fell, and instead of falling sideways, it just sank straight into the ground, and it left oh. this giant hole where like the roof would have been that is now just this vertical tunnel into Undermountain. Yeah, I see your face. So Uh what happens is you may recognise such hole as its nickname, the Yawning Portal, because many adventurers came to Undermountain and went exploring and two of them were Dernan and Mert the Moneylender, who went down together, were one of the were two of the few adventurers to make it back out with riches galore. And with his money, Mert became Mert the Moneylender and Dernan (laughs) built the Yawning Portal over the mouth of Halaster's hold and charged adventurers to go down and venture down into it to explore for the riches themselves. I love it. I love that somebody, I love that. Like, oh, I'm going to stop any people from doing that and they have to come through my tavern to do that. Absolutely. It's great. And here's the thing, Mert and Dernan, although both humans, I believe Mert's a human, Dernan definitely is, they have lived a very long time and it's kind of insinuated that Undermountain changed them in some way. Uh, and that's how they've become, or they've had this kind of extended existence. It's interesting. Um, oh, okay. Because they've been around for loads of editions, like over, and you've got to think, you know, the current year in Faerun is like 1493, I think, for Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. It's 1492 in Dragon Heist and Undermountain in Dungeon Mad Mage. So, um, and we play our Faerunian adventures in the year 1492. Uh, obviously, that will change the longer we play for. But um, so it, it's it's interesting that Dan has been around for well over the expected lifetime of a of a human. So that's kind of like the history of Halister and how Undermountain is formed. He goes on to like become obsessed with Undermountain and he builds it out and extends it and he, you know, brings in creatures from other planes to guard the upper levels as he descends further down and starts using those as his like base and laboratory and 
um it connect at some point it connects to skullport via the salgath river which is um skullport of course is the thieving kind of den city underneath Waterdeep. um and that's that's on level with the third level of undermountain as is the xanathar hiding base that the main base of the xanathar's guild i i'd always <laughs> this Go is on. probably because I didn't really know much about Skullport <laughs> until until today, where I was like just just seeing, getting some some beforehand research. Um, mm. <laughs> I, I thought the Skullport was just a port. <laughs> just just it was. I was like, okay, it's it's probably just a port somewhere. They do the occasional trade. Did you not thing know it was underground? Time. I had no idea, and it Sam, changes you... my. You sat in on episodes of Dragon Heist where they were in Skullport for like 10 sessions. And I I kept describing how dark and dingy and the cave cavern walls and the roof and the mushroom. How did you miss that? I was imagining them like walking through the town in the daytime, the sun licking them. You know, that is why you need to pay attention when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons. You have just completely ruined Skullport in its entirety. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Skullport's a really interesting place because it's like it's in this big open cavern. There's these really interesting characters in there. You have the flame skulls, the 13 skulls or the 12 skulls and the room at 13th who guard it and everyone walks around with lanterns and you can't see like beyond 100 feet ahead of you or something because it's so dark not being able to see is pretty cool it's a really really cool place and there's some really <laughs> interesting characters and uh, that's why i used it i mean it's such a big part of both Waterdeep and undermountain like if, if Waterdeep, if you consider the city as like the let's say you're doing a campaign just in Waterdeep, yeah, like mm. I did. I would consider the city half of that location. Yeah, Skullport, Skullport is a quarter, and then Undermountain is a quarter, unless it's yeah. an Undermountain focus campaign, and then it shifts where Skullport and Waterdeep are a quarter, and Undermountain is the half. So, like yeah. they they all become for me that location. It's not just the city. It's got layers, like an onion. Yeah, augurs have layers. <laughs> Anyway, that's kind of that was a great Shrek impression. Stop giving me that face. No, no. That is uh, <laughs> that is like the lore of Halister and Undermountain in a really quick kind of roundup way because I don't want to spend the whole episode talking about. It. I want to talk about how you can use it. So before we talk about that, do you have any questions about like lore in general? Um. I'm just sort of like confused why Hasta can't stay in one position for very long. He seems a bit like flaky in the sense of like. Oh, okay. So that's that's just poor storytelling then from my part. He he, like when he goes to what would be Waterdeep, he's been in one. He's been like in his other his yeah. like home for you know years, like basically he's, his whole life. He's drawn to the weave though, isn't he? That's like. So it's kind of, like I feel like it's insinuated that he is. Yeah. Um. But there's conflicting sources, as there would be with over like what is it like fifty years of Dungeons and Dragons? It's longer than that. I don't even know. The, um. Some say like there's some. I've read that he's mad before he goes, and he becomes yeah. mad, and then he builds Undermountain. Then I've I've read others where they say, oh, he was a little bit like mad. You know, he's a wizard, and then he went to Wardeep. He built his tower. He discovered Undermountain, and he went insane and went absolutely bonkers and just got obsessed with it and then would never come back up 
So it's kind of like, hey, you're the DM. Why do you want him to be mad? What's the hook that you need? Use that. And then you can. You, what was the what was the hook that you went for? Like in your in your well in your version of Faerun's law, like what what is your version of why he's there? Um, so I will get into that when I talk about what my plans are for Undermountain. Yeah. I'm but just curious because it's like you know. Do you do you have other law questions before we do that? Because you, I'll go off on a tangent if we if we go into that now, uh, and you won't get them answered. <laughs> we nothing, just won't answer them. Nothing, nothing that like comes to the top of my head really. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, what I'll do then, I'll tell you in a roundabout way. I'll tell you what my law for him is and what my story for Dungeon the Mad Mage was because they they are very interconnected. Um, so, oh, where do I start? Um, the first thing I guess, so the reason Hallister is mad in my world is because he's got this unending obsession with collecting beautiful D&D dice and he doesn't have a service like the <laughs> Dice Dungeon. So I feel like if the Dice Dungeon existed in Faerun, he wouldn't have this this insane madness going on um mm. and and to stop you sam and, and anyone listening to the podcast from from delving too deep into their own mega dungeon of their mind and, and yeah. becoming insanely obsessed with dice i have partnered with the dice dungeon for over a year now to give you 10 percent off your entire basket when you shop with them and they sell really really nice dnd dice sam really nice ones I know, I know. I've got a pair, and they they do. To be fair, they they keep me out of my own version of the dungeon of the Mad Sam. It's mm. very echoey in there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Much like your dining room. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I do have to say legally, I have to tell you that. Uh, you know, while buying D&D dice from Dice Dungeon may stop you from delving into the madness of not having dice, it does open you up to the possibility of, you know, getting obsessed with collecting D&D dice. So just bear that in mind. If you want to go and check out what they've got, there's not just dice there. You open that madness to anything. D&D books, dice trays, uh, dice scrolls, uh, the extra sort of things that you can have with D&D, like spell cards and stuff like that. Go look at their website. And if you are building out your mega dungeon, what better than to have some beautifully written descriptions for it for when you want to sell it on the open market, like on Zoopla or something? So if you go over to describe DSCRYB.com, they have some really beautifully written box text that you can use to describe that mega dungeon in your D&D game. They've got location spells and monsters. They're adding new uh, categories soon and they're adding different box texts every single day. There's loads of them you can get for free. So go and have a taste by following the link below. But if you like what you see, subscribe with 10% off every month for the first two years using the code common on checkout. I actually, I actually was snooping around described the other day mm -hmm. and they have some really good like free yeah. <laughs> stuff. I, I'm I'm too cheap for that. So I was just like, oh, <laughs> what what free content do they have to offer? Wow, they've Mate, got some cracking stuff. Everybody loves free D and D content on the internet. You gotta I go ju for it. I just I was just like, how have they described it in this way? Because oh, they're professional writers. That's I the love point. it. It's go great. Look, it's so good. <laughs> okay, so in seriousness, then. Um, one of the biggest critiques of Dungeon of the Mad Mage for 
storytellers, if that's what you're looking for, is that there is no story, really. It's, it is true and true, just a mega dungeon for you to go through. And, and, it, and when we say mega dungeon, like, oh my God, double page spread maps, 23 layers, Skullport included, although even that's a little bit lackluster. Um, <laughs> it, is, it is insane. And if you're, if you're in for a dungeon crawl with no story, like all hands to you, go for it. But if you want a bit of story, it is lacking in that department. And I've had a look around the internet. I did a long time ago and I couldn't find anything that really grabbed me. There was one that like wanted to make it like a show and Hallister thought he was like a show host and I just hated it. Didn't like the flavor. It wasn't for oh, me. Oh, no. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah wasn't I don't grounded. like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't love that one. Um, one that I did see was a D&D Beyond post, actually, an article. And I saw that and it spoke to me and I ran with it and I sort of adapted it for my own usage. So that's that's what I have as a story for Undermountain, and I'll I'll talk about what that is in a second. Um a side note, if you are gonna pick up Dungeon of the Mad Mage, there's a fantastic Skullport supplement on D uh DM's Guild, which is what I used for Skullport, and it's it's just so much better. Just forget everything in the book and use that. Um it's incredible and I, I don't think it's awfully expensive either. So uh, go check it out. I think it's like Skullport Shadow of Waterdeep or something like that. It's a really good it's a really good supplement. Um, especially if you're running a Waterdeep campaign like I was. <laughs> so my plan was, and I, and I always had the plan that um, my, the Waterdeep adventurers, the the heroes of the heist as they've, as they've been come to known, would be setting up the next adventure, which would be either Tomb of Annihilation, which they are now on, although it's different heroes, um, also branching off into James's game running the same, same world, which is Tyranny of Dragons, um, or they would follow the plot hooks and go down into Undermountain. And the Heroes of the Heist being still in Waterdeep could still do that, although I don't think they will based on the decisions they made in the game. So I needed to give them a reason. I needed to link them in. And <laughs> I wanted to use Manchun because he had been in our Waterdeep campaign with all four villains. He had been the hidden player all the way through. Like I, He didn't get revealed until the final arc of, of that campaign. And it needed to be compelling. And I also wanted him to be different. I didn't want him to just be some evil wizard. Uh, yeah, no, I liked, I liked your Manchun. He was very... Thank you. Like, I'm powerful, but I'm not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> Manchun is, a, is another one that needs a whole lore episode on about, but um, he was a very evil, very powerful wizard who made lots of clones of himself to be able to live forever it's either that or lichdom for a wizard basically <laughs> and uh one day i think i don't know if it was during the spell plague i can't remember without looking up but something happened and all of the clones woke up at the same time all of them believing that they were the true manchun and so this series of um years and i think it's like a couple of decades happened no that became to be known as the manchun wars where all of these different manchuns were just hunting each other down and killing each other and it's unknown and it's not put in writing exactly how many Manchun survived and if the original survived. And so he's the kind of character who can come up in a number of different campaigns that you play with the same group and each time he can be completely different. Like there's one Manchun who's a vampire, there's one who's a good guy, there's one who's a bad guy, there's one who... you know, really likes horses, you know, like they're, they're, it's like variants in Loki. Yeah, I was, I was literally, as you were saying that, I was like, oh, he's got his own like set of variants, yeah, it's great. Literally. The TVA are going to be getting on him. 
Um. <laughs> so this version of Manchun in my Waterdeep campaign, I wanted him to be not so evil. Like, he's still bad. Like, don't get me wrong. He still has history behind him of the original Manchun, and he has to live with that, and he has to live in hiding for his whole life because everybody thinks he's just evil. But he's also changed and learned over time. And in his story, he is, for me, I made him the version of Manchun that is can- canonical that went into hiding in Undermountain and became friends with Halister and trained under him for years. Because Halister is constantly taking apprentices. He mm. loves to make people powerful magic users. And then he likes to fight them and piss about with them and have fun and stuff. So he and Halister became really good friends. Obviously, this is now my canon. This isn't like Faerun law. So when I say they did this, this happened, it's this is what happened in my Important. version. Important. This never happened. <laughs> this never happened. I mean, bits of it happened. There was a Manchun that went down into Undermountain and did uh, get on with Halister, I believe. Mm. So anyway, they he, he stayed down there in hiding for years and um, eventually discovered what was happening to Halister. And that is that over time, and, and I revealed it through the journal that the players found when they, spoiler alert, killed my Manchun. They um, murdered him. He, oh, he was a, It was brutal. I was like, I, I, I was sit, I think I was actually playing a NPC stat block at the time, mm-hmm. and I was like, ah, oh, I, I haven't been with the party long enough to like even make a say, but I'm not yeah. happy about this. Yeah. <laughs> and two of the characters didn't want to, but we'll, we'll get into that. But basically, he had discovered that the knot in the weave was controlling Halister. It had changed, and it was racking and gripping his mind and i imagine this not like imagine how radiation when you cover it with layers and layers of concrete it's still if you put a geiger counter up against like 60 feet of concrete you still get a little tick every now and then on the geiger it's counter, like it, right? there's some way of it like going through yeah so yeah. i imagine that this knot in the weave is seeping up through the ground i mean it's not up it's not underneath the ground is it it's it's who knows where it is it's It's intangible yeah but it's seeping through under mountain and it's gripped um halister's mind and it is controlling him and that's why brom who is another player in our game had weird stuff happen to him when he was in waterdeep because the the this this quote-unquote radiation of the weave was like seeping into him and affecting his connection to the the uh the demon queen of fungus so that's another story. Um, <laughs> I got so many of them, man. So Halister, up future episodes of Legends of Lore with just yeah. this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this is the Nexus event. Um, so Halister became controlled by the weave, and in my in my like DM notes, I have written that the knot became a sentient creature. The knot is alive. The knot is a thing of magic of pure arcanic energy. That is conscious now. It has been living for so long that it has grown. And it's seen Halister and gone, hey, pretty boy, I like your dungeon. I want that. And it's seeped into his brain and it is making him insane, like incredibly insane. So in my version of the world, Halister started making his Undermountain and he was like, this is cool. I like this. And he got a bit obsessed with it because he's an obsessive person. You kind of have to be to be a wizard and you devote your life to studying. And then the knot grabbed him and he went absolute balmy and just lost control. And so 
Manchu noticed this and said, oh, okay, this isn't good. You're not right. I, I, need to, I need to save you somehow. And he did all this research and he came to the conclusion that the only way he could save his, his now best friend was to kill him, like just free him of the hold. So he challenged him to a wizard duel. Hallister maniacally giggled and said, ah, yeah, absolutely, all right. Um, but if you win, if I win, I want your arm. <laughs> Literally, he's just like, I want your arm. So inevitably, Manchun <laughs> lost. And Hallister took his arm and buried it somewhere in his vault. And Manchun ran and left Undermountain and went into hiding in Colat Towers. And that's where you find him in Waterdeep Dragon Heist. And so when my players got to him, having had all of these important people here, Lyriel Silverhand, the Black Staff, you know, all these people who they trusted or, or at least were working with if they didn't trust them, when they said, hey, we know who the, the last person is, it's Manchun, they said, whatever you do, just kill him on sight. Like, we do not need to deal with this. We've got gang wars going on. We've got the Xanifers getting too big for his proverbial boots. Skullport is in a wreck because the flame skulls have disappeared. Like, the city is effectively burning. Just kill him. Just, just put a bullet in his head. <laughs> Don't even listen to him. And so the players went in there with that thinking. And my plan was that they'd go in and a few of them would listen to him. Uh, because they always do and they'd they'd go against it and a couple of them wanted to a couple of them really did but the party mm. outvoted and you go with the flow and they fought Manchu they killed him and they found the notebook and then the two that really wanted to help him went through and realized you know in his notes that he was saying you know I have to I have to hide in the shadow because of what another man did in my face and name you know I am not that person I have I am a different Manchu to that Manchu and I want to save my friend etc etc He's lived a rough existence. Like, yeah, that 100%. is hundred percent. Born into infighting with yourself and then having to go into hiding and finding that everybody hates you. I mean, that's hard. He has the memories because he's a clone, but he, he's different. So yeah. anyway, he's dead and the players have his notes and they have all these notes on like the, they, the, 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 the knot is alive and that it's got hold of, of Hallister. And, and he also says in his notes, Hallister is fighting it. Hallister is trying to take control of his body and that is why he is inviting people down to Undermountain because he wants strong adventurers to come into Undermountain, fight their way from level 1 to 23, get as strong as they can because only the strongest can do it and then meet him and kill him and put him at ease. That's what Hallister wants because he knows he's, he's under the control of the knot. I love that. That is so like... I don't know, eerily like beautiful. It's like a little bit poetic, but, isn't it? Yeah, it's he a tiny fragment of himself is trying to stop him from mm. you know being more connected with it. And in these moments of lucidity, that is when Hallister appeared in my campaign. The players were in Skullport for like 10 sessions in, in succession and they went to this tea house and he just he was there drinking <laughs> tea with an old friend of his. And she was a little bit shaken that these PCs had walked in and he and they got to see his full madness. The best thing about this character is that he can just chop and change from friend to enemy to narcissistic bastard with the flick of a switch. He could literally be a different Hallister on every single level level of Undermountain because he's just freaking nuts um and he took Brom's poem book or his quote book and he ripped a page out because he really liked the quote and the party <laughs> were like hey buddy that's not nice are you gonna fix that and he was like oh 
sorry, I wish for this poem book to be better. And he just wished for the book to be <laughs> better again. Because he's yeah. just nuts. And they instantly realized, they didn't realize it was Hallister at first. They instantly realized they were in trouble with this guy who was just nuts in front of them. Um, yeah, that, he, he, just, he just did like a pretty powerful spell for no for reason. For nothing, exactly. Yeah. And it got to the point where right at the end of Waterdeep, they needed something. They needed the final key to get into the vault. And they contacted Hallister for it and invited him to their tavern. And it was such a risk. Like, like they didn't know what, if, you know, if he, he could have walked in there and gone, wow, this place is nice. I want it and wished for it to be an undermountain. Like, that's how powerful he is. <laughs> He's ridiculous. So they, they wished for him to be there. They, they called out to him and he arrived and that's how they had interactions with him. But in he their had, notes, he, he had gone. like, didn't he, I don't, I, I don't know if I'm remembering correctly, but like. They said they needed like a drow hand and he, yes. just, <laughs> he just They needed got one. <laughs> one of the keys. So all of the keys in my version of Waterdeep were linked to the, the different uh, villains. So the mm. idea was they could heist the villains for the keys if they wanted to. And they, um, they, they needed the drow hand of a member of Break and Darth and they asked Hallister <laughs> to get one. And he just like <laughs> literally wished for one in his hand and like, Turn, he turned his back to them, cast a spell, and then turned back around, and there was just this hand with blood like seeping out of the wrist, and he just like materialized it off of a drow somewhere. I remember um, that vividly. It was such a funny yeah. moment. Yeah, funny and also like terrifying. <laughs> yeah, because he just doesn't just doesn't care. But so the reason Manchun was also so affected by Hallister is that he discovered in his time in Undermountain with him that Hallister was and this is this is canon Hallister creates hundreds and hundreds of clones of himself so that he can't die and in my campaign the knot in the weave made him do that because Hallister has basically effectively become the avatar of this weave like that is what Hallister is to the knot um and so it it gets his in control of Hallister using him as his avatar makes tons of clones so when Hallister dies he the knot grabs it his soul and just puts it into one of the clones so that he lives forever and so he is constantly in this loop of just immortal life going insane being controlled by this entity that shouldn't exist and just wants to break free but if you just kill him he will just get be, just put into a body of his clone so do you need so, to go stab those bodies before you kill him? Well, this is the thing. That's kind of up to the players. Manchun is so terrified that what happened to the Manchun clones will happen to the Hallister clones. And if you thought the Manchun wars were bad, or the Hallister wars would be even worse because they'd all be fucking nuts. <laughs> like, oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> and that is still an impending... Uh, apocalypse on my version of Faerun. That could happen at any point. Like, at oh. any point. Because no one's gone to deal with it. So that's like a ticking time bomb in a way. And so the adventure is that the Manchun in, in Waterdeep, if you teamed up with him, he wanted the Horde of Dragons to fund uh, an adventuring party strong enough to go down into Undermountain, kill Hallister, and then wish for his soul to pass on. They would have to wish for it to not be caught by the weave effectively and in doing so they would anger the weave and then move on to like the level 20 boss fight so because Pallister isn't the boss in this campaign he is he's like the boss before the boss 
So that's what Manchin wanted. And his motivations were, if I do this for the city, maybe they'll let me come out of hiding and they'll stop telling people I'm evil. And like he, you know, he it was all, it was a little bit selfish, but it was also not selfish. So he's kind of a gray area character. Um, so the idea for the story, for, for the adventure, is that the players descend into Undermountain. They fight their way through. They get strong. They fight Halister. They've encountered him along the way. They fight him. They kill him. And they use a ninth level wish to help his spirit and his soul pass on to whatever afterlife awaits him. At which point, the knot in the weave uh, begins to get angry. So this knot, all it wants to do is expand Undermountain to exist along the entirety of Tyrrell. It wants to have Undermountain be as a dungeon that extends everywhere around the planet. And once it's done that, who knows what will happen, where it will look next, to above ground, to beyond Tyrrell, to the plains. We don't know, and that's a scary thought. And so it's angry that its avatar and its its way of doing that, it's, it's one way of connecting with the material plane has been taken away from it. And so it reaches out and it, it uses its last bit of strength to extend its magics and bring Undermountain down on the players. So you then have this hectic escape, 23 levels under, where they have to get up while parts of this dungeon collapse around them and creatures oh. are going wild. And like the the apprentice wizard school that's on one of the levels goes nuts. There's a, there's a, a spell jammer ship down there somewhere. Like there's all this cool stuff and it's all just coming down on top of it, right? changing the face of Faerun forever. They get to the top of Undermountain, they get out back up onto the streets of Waterdeep and sections of the city, parts of the wards are just sinking into the ground. Like the, 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 the dock ward, flooded. The trades ward, massive sinkhole. Like it's awful. And the weave, the knot in the weave, pushes its magic out uh, and pushes its magics out and takes control of the walking statues of Waterdeep. And these statues that haven't moved for years suddenly come to life because they are a defense mechanism for for Waterdeep and the only person who can control them is the Black Staff. So she inevitably tries to stop them, but she can't. And so the players then, surrounded by the devastation of Waterdeep that is falling and crumbling, have to fight one, two, maybe three of these giant walking statues. And when they destroy the walking statues, the weave materializes in form, coalesced out of those statues in front of them, and they have to fight the weave kill the knot, well, not fight the weave, fight the knot in the weave, kill it, and thus um, untangling the weave itself and making magic better. It's this epic, like, conclusion to this 20th level adventure, and it's, it would be it's really cool to run. nowhere near what I expected the ending of that to be, but it's, it's so much cooler. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but then, of course, that then has repercussions in the sense that, you know, Halliston no longer exists. Undermountain is now a ruin. So Undermountain could still exist, but it would be forever changed. And it would be a proper dungeon that like, at the moment in Faerun, it's like a breathing dungeon that's constantly changing and things are being added and stuff. And at this point, if this happened, it would become a ruin of a dungeon that eventually could be plundered completely, which would be an interesting, like do floods of adventurers then suddenly come because the risk is gone and they just want to get as much out as they can and stuff like that. But then also... And this is the thing that my players don't know because one of them has a very special connection to Dernan. <laughs> They've released the magic of the weave that's keeping Dernan and Mert ever existing. And so from that point on, they begin to age and they begin to eventually die. Oh, no. Yeah. So it's a little bit bittersweet. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, so that's that's the story. Have you any questions about that before we move on? Not really. I like that. That that sounds like an adventure, like a good adventure to to be a part of. Um, Thanks, man. I like. I like that Halister isn't the biggest bad of it, if that makes sense. And I like that there's the... With... with um, I feel like when... when Obviously, this isn't your own, like, you haven't made Halister, but often when, mm. like, running a big bad evil guy, it can fall into the, oh, they're evil, but <laughs> yeah. only evil. They are all evil, and everything about them is evil, can yeah. evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but That's what I love about, like, Jalax or Manchin. They're so grey. Yeah, I just like that part that there is, there is, there is a slight part of him that wants this all to stop, and he wants mm. to get rid of it, and that's why he's drawing people in. And I just, I don't know, I just love that. And I like as well that it offers the twist at the end. And and this is where we transition into how to use this if you're running Dungeon of the Mad Mage and then how to use Halister and Undermountain in any setting in game. But if yeah. you were going to run this story and if I, you know, I ha- this I've got all of the story prepped out and I haven't done all of the mechanical prep because we never actually ran the campaign. But like <laughs> my plan would be to have Halister appear at different points during the dungeon, as as I think you should, because he can. And it's just interesting. And it's that's how I would incorporate the story through the through the the dungeon crawl because it's not yeah. there in other places you can have it in some of the npcs like there is a wizard school in there halister's got a wizard school somewhere in Undermountain, and there are apprentices and you can be his apprentice and stuff but That's you need cool. to have like interactions with him and so sometimes he would appear and he'd be a dick he'd be a villain because he'd be he'd be controlled by the weave or he'd be a villain in the sense that he's gonna like fight you a little bit but only because he wants you to get stronger and know how to kill him so he's doing it like to help you and then other times he'll arrive and he'll be like just giddy and like a child and other times he'll be completely lucid and he'll be like a very scholarly well-spoken wizard who can tell you things about the weave and stuff so that's how i would put the story in as you go through dungeon yeah that that's something especially like having seen parts of the uh the the dungeon of the mad mage like seeing parts of it 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 looks as though like it would be hard to put some story bits in but to have something to like have there yeah that makes sense so like even foundation is good when you look at the the book it's intimidating especially if you're not into dungeon crawls and i think the 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 risk is that players get bored of dungeon crawls unless that's what they love unless that's their niche and it isn't yeah. for everybody. And so, you know, you might want to have a campaign where they have a base in Skullport and they come and go, or mm. they have a base at Waterdeep and they have a way of coming and going from Undermountain. Although Undermountain itself has like rules around teleportation magics and stuff and things too. So you, you kind of have to cater that side of it to your group. And it's hard to give specific advice without knowing who you're running the game for and what they like. Mm. But if you can incorporate and find ways to have story encounters on on, on multiple times on multiple floors, then you're going to have a better experience with those characters that like story. And if they're characters who have story moments within their party and things that they want, like if they're going into Undermountains for different reasons and they can talk about that and they can have RP moments, then even better. Yeah, because 
like I I was thinking when when before I came into this, I was like, okay, would players need to like inject a lot of RP into this just to give it some sort of story to work with? Because mm. we've obviously got like a really good group that we we can inject story into anything. Wes can walk into the most boring <laughs> situation <laughs> and make it somehow very interesting and yeah. very like story heavy. Yeah. So. I was just curious to whether like that that could be like a potential problem for somebody that was trying to run that sort of dungeon. What if, if they if they haven't got a group that is able to like just inject story into it? I think it's or- definitely harder. It mm. it would it would definitely be harder, and that's where the prep on the DM's part is going to be key. Um, but like this isn't just a dungeon either. Like we talk about it being a mega dungeon, and it is in the sense that there are like the first few levels are quite barren because they're the levels that have been explored the most because they're the easiest levels and they're the easiest levels to get to. But there are things going on in these levels that aren't just in normal dungeons. Like one of them, one of the early levels has goblins that have set themselves up a little <laughs> marketplace. Oh, like, I love and they that. and you walk in and they're like buying and selling stuff. So you know, and in my world, the vault of the dragons is off of a section of the third level of Undermountain. So like you can yeah. incorporate, you know, there are tunnels that don't go anywhere. They're just kind of left for you to fill out if you want to. So you can incorporate stories in any way. You've just got to find those hooks that you have that you know your players are gonna like and put them in. And I wouldn't be afraid of putting interesting NPCs in a dungeon. Just because it's got the word dungeon in it doesn't mean it can't have interesting rp encounters with characters this yeah, is the dungeon for that there, there are going to be other people that are going in there for the oh god yeah yeah you the same have, reasons you can have a rival party yeah like i i just the prospect of that is really cool just meeting people that are just out for the same purpose and you've got to like race against them sort of mm. if manshin had lived as well i would have used the group patron rules for him for the party yeah that would have been really cool as well. So he would have been able to help and given assistance and given you magics and given you like members of the Zentarum to join you and stuff. So there's stuff that you can do with that too. You can have them come across faction members, a member of like, I think there is a party in the book written that like are split up and lost and you find members of them dead and some of them alive as you go through. So there are bits of story in there. Yeah. The job is just like taking those as dm and seeding them and that's the important bit is like planting the seed so that when the players get to them it's not random Mm. and with undermountain that's the really uh like daunting bit because the book is thick man it is a big book and i always like it's a crazy big dungeon as well like yeah compared to so a lot of the dungeon because I've been making my own like final big, big dungeon, dungeon. I've had yeah. to look at like heaps of like uh, some from the Yawning Portal book and like loads of different dungeons that are there. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a lot bigger. <laughs> I was like, take a wow, shot every time we say dungeon this episode. Um, oh my god! Yeah, that's it's a great huge. game. It is. It's actually. Do you know what? Um, I'm gonna. Where is it? Here it is. It, it is. I think the only the the it's the second thickest book I have. I think Tyranny of Dragons, the reprint that holds both books, is bigger. Um 
but that is a f- one to twenty, whereas this is a five to twenty. This book, Dungeon of the Mad Mage, is three hundred and twenty pages long, and I like to read an entirety of the book at least twice and make notes on it <laughs> before I run it. And the and the thoughts of doing that are daunting, but they would be so rewarding because you would you can make such an interesting story out of this campaign. Mm. Let's talk about um. As we, we come to the tail end of this episode, let's talk about using Halister and then potentially Undermountain in your games, whether you're in Faerun or not. Mm. I think that this is one of the easiest things to port over to any setting. Because yeah, I was, I was thinking that because obviously Every I setting run... has magic, right? Yeah. Every setting has its own version of the weave. Every setting has a big city where stuff happens you can just insert this law anywhere and you know there are little sidebars in a lot of the adventures that say if you're not doing this in Faerun here are some options of where it could be in other worlds and sure they include like Kryn Greyhawk and that's it but it gives you an idea of like where you would put it like I think in Wildmount what what's give me a really big city in Wildmount? You run a Wildmount campaign. Oh, my main the the main city that my players spend a lot of time in is Zadash. That's is that just... the one? Remind me, is that the one with the Cerberus Assembly and the Wizard School? Uh, it it does have a Wizard School, but it's not like the capital city with like the big Wizard School. It's it's like the sub capital. Okay, I'd say. so if the big capital, which I believe is that Rexentrum. Yeah. Yeah. So Rexingtrim already has a lot going on for it. Great. Stick this mega dungeon underneath Sadash. Bang. Done. He was a mad teacher at the wizard school who lost his mind and started building a dungeon to run wizard, uh, you know, trainee wizards through to test their might and their spell usage. And uh, eventually he was, you know, chastised by the upper the upper board of the school because he was killing too many apprentices and so he said fine fuck off i'll go into my dungeon and he's still down there to this day so the legend says christ yeah no it's it's surprisingly like malleable i like that with adventures because especially with hearing like now that the wild beyond the witch light is is sort of making it so that it can be put anywhere, I believe. So this is the thing. you said this a couple of times, and I want to clarify that with you, because that's ex- I feel like that's exactly the same. Like I feel like they're selling this as a point, and it's yeah, like, yeah, as yeah. a selling point. No, 100%. They've done it before. Because, but it's exactly the same as Curse of Strahd. Curse of Strahd <laughs> happens in a pocket dimension. The, yeah. the Feywild is another plane. Yes, that can fit into any campaign, because you're literally setting it in another plane. <laughs> I just I just love excuses to carry on playing in Wildmount. So, you know, but, you could, no. but this is the thing. You, could, you can play... Then This is what I want to put across, and I think maybe we do a we do an episode on this specific skill like later mm. down the line is how do you take i think we've talked about it before but how do you take any adventure and run it in any setting if you yeah. said to me sam i want to run tomb of annihilation but in exandria and all i know about i don't know about the other the other continents all i know about is taldori and wildmount i'd be like great okay cool all you need to do is literally say that chult or a version of Chalk, give it a different name if you want to, like rename like an, it. All. It could just be it's an another island. continent or an island in the <laughs> yeah. south where it's hot. Like that's so easy, and you can do that with anything. Rhyme, rhyme the Frost Maiden, right? Just put a version of oh, Ten Towns yeah. in, there was, in there, uh, so the Wild Wastes or wherever it's called. I know this is going off of our main topic, but like with with rhyme, it was very much like I was 
I was reading some of that. Uh, I haven't read like mm. a lot. I've read just bits monsters, items, yeah. and like the the beginning bits. And I there were bits that I was just like, Isolcross is perfect for yeah, this. This is and what injected I'm saying. <laughs> there and what is he dragon heist? Literally any city. All you have mm. to do is swap out the NPCs. And I know like people, uh, I know people say this because I used to think it too. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but I don't want to do all that work. It's not that much work. <laughs> if you're going to prep for the campaign anyway, it's the same amount of work. It's just part of the prep. Hang on. I, let me hit you with another one. Uh, hmm, what have I got? I don't have many adventures. Okay. Fucking... Wardy Dragon Heist just became a level 1 to 20 campaign set on Ravnica, right? Because the money is a ridiculous amount of money and every single one of the guilds wants it. Uh, what else that, have we got? Oh, that in itself gets... Oh, Tyranny like of that. Dragons? Tyranny of Dragons? Fuck me, you could do that anywhere because it's not set in a specific location. All you have to do is pour over the world of the dragons and the gods and, and the cult and you're done. It's, it's a, an adventure where you travel, right? Great. Yeah. Perfect. I love it. If there's anything, if there's anything you take from this today, Sam, and those of you listening, do not be afraid to port written adventures over to your own or different settings. It is not as hard as you think it is. And once you start thinking about it and you start doing it, the ball just rolls and it gets bigger. Yeah. And bigger. <laughs> I'm de- like 100%. I always look at the adventures and I'm like, I really want to put that in Wild Mount just because yeah. I'm familiar with it. I yeah, know Wild Mount, like the back of my hand now. And I think I said this to you recently. Like the the fact that I run Faerun with James as this timeline that continues and it's got history now, that makes me never want to leave Faerun because yeah, it, all, I've got all like of this up baked levels in stories. the campaign yeah, completely. 100%. Like every campaign, you're like, I'm gonna see this experience in our next adventure. Mm-hmm. Like that in itself is so cool. So I I I've definitely and going off of this like from the 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 dungeon of the mad mage that like the idea that i could just put that yeah. anywhere it's definitely just, easier it's with some campaigns than others but like this yeah. is my point like everybody who runs a dnd world and, and like even if you just played a 1 to 15 campaign in one setting right that's going to be hard to leave leaving that campaign setting and going to another will always be difficult it's like when you delete your finished save file on pokemon and you have to start another one because you can only have one right <laughs> it's hard to leave that behind you don't have to leave it behind you can always go back but it, that's what it feels like so either you grow a pair and you do it because you're missing out on all of the amazing other experiences of different settings out there. Or, and, and this is how I feel with my homebrew world, you know, the world of car. When car is at a point where I can launch a second campaign in it, it's going to be really hard to leave Faerun for 100%. the period of time that we leave car, uh, go to car. But at the same time, when we go back to Faerun, all of that time will have passed and it will look different and it will be even more interesting. So it's, it's amazing. It's great. But at the same time, like, uh, I don't want to leave it. So you can either just grow a pair and do it or you do what I did and you put on your tinfoil hat and you go deeper than anyone would normally go and you say, huh, Every game that I run in Faerun happens on the same version of Faerun, but everything that happens on my version of of uh, Ravnica happens on the same version of Ravnica, and both of those 
Oh no, he's he's going to do it, guys. He's going to do it. Within the same version of the material plane, and thus are both planets that exist within the same setting of Spelljammer. Oh, I knew he was going to do it. And so (laughs) any powerful wizard can travel from one world to another, and if you know how, you can get a ship and travel the stars. And that's how I've kind of got over the fact that at some point I'm going to have to leave Faerun for a little bit. Yeah, you, you you have to connect them so that some at some point you you can just go back. I've it's made great. my own cinematic universe. That's what I've I done. love it, and you have. <laughs> What's great about it is no one will see it. We <laughs> say that you we we it get today. to yeah we get to experience it at in the like moment. a really awesome way, and I we feel get like to watch it unfold. You guys at the moment are experiencing the like avengers to avengers age of ultron to <laughs> civil war era of the mcu right it's oh, cool i can't all wait the, for infinity war <laughs> all the adventures are coming together and it's like oh my god all of the characters that, that i know and love from all these different campaigns that we've played are all in the same universe that's so cool <laughs> so just you wait buddy when oh. thanos comes along because buddy he is in the shadows he is coming <laughs> Is it, is it is it just that character that Joe made with the Ioun stones that we've got to go against him? <laughs> <laughs> He's collected them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's the own version of the the Infinity Stones. There's sixteen of them. Um, yeah. So eventually, there will be a an end game threat level uh, adventure held in my version of of the material plane, and that's the thing, and that's what's cool, and that's why I've got why I've pushed myself to get to this level of deepness, is that I don't just say, yeah, it's my version of Faerun, or it's my version of Eberron. I say, oh no, this is my version of the universe. This is my version of the material plane and the planes that travel around them. Um, And that's fucking cool, man. It's so fun. That is, it's just badass. I love it. I love every moment of it. (laughs) I appreciate Um, it. On on the note of like yeah, that, I think the main conversation point of this podcast, the actual episode, topic, yeah. Um, Going so, back to Alistair, you know, you know that I'm like a sucker for cool monsters and cool just enemies to go against. What what are some of the like hot boys? Oh, in, okay. In in the dungeon of the Mad Mage that like really you know, tickle the fancy and just met, like exciting encounters to run because that's that's always what I'm most excited about. Okay, let me grab the book because I won't know <laughs> off the top of my head. I had to pop the light on as well because it got dark in here because um, we're having a lovely evening chat. So <laughs> I, I just watched Ben <laughs> slowly fade into darkness. <laughs> yeah, over the course of the last hour and a half. Um, oh, this is a really difficult one because like I say, it's a really thick, thick book. Level nine, Dwemer Core is a really cool one. That's the level that has an academy of magic designed to like test and trap and confound its students. But at that point, um, I think that it's the party size the book is balanced for is four. So at that point, you've got a party of four level 10 characters and it's a really interesting like just level it's not one of the biggest but it's like it's just got some fun stuff in it there's i think there's nothics hiding around of like students who have gone mad there's traps and magic like items and stuff um there are some cool there are some interesting um stat blocks in the back so there's uh <laughs> there's um the human warrior who we mentioned earlier who became Halister's bodyguard 
who uh-huh. turned themselves into a half scorpion centaur creature that started out in this book oh oh i love that so, <laughs> That's muriel awesome. is a large monstrosity uh i think i think it's a he but i'm gonna say they just to be safe they are a, a 13th level spellcaster, so they have up to 7th level, level spells. They have Finger of Death, which is cool. They have 3 Legendary Resistance. They can make 3 attacks, 2 with... Oh, it's a he. 2 with his long sword and 1 with his stinger, because he's a scorpion. Um, he has Legendary Actions, like casting cantrips. He has a lunging attack and a retreating strike, so he's just really fucking weird. Like He's this I big just, skeleton yeah, I just love that uh, scorpion mode. human thing um what else have we got i mean halister himself is cool there's not many stat blocks in the book because most of them are covered the werebats like, are fun what what just just because i haven't got the book right in front of me like what is halister what is halister's stat block like in comparison to say i don't know other more powerful wizards or the archmage stat block which you should never the use the archmage stat block is shit <laughs> and you should never touch it um so halister is written he's pretty cool i would um probably beef him up a little bit because of the party and mm. also in the same sense i would i beefed up a serac because of like <laughs> the level of the story that we're telling and stuff like that so for your kind of like knowledge um a serac's a challenge rating 23 so is halister mm. so oh. they're on level as written mm. um and not because that's not saying that Hal- that the Aserak is on level with a human wizard. You've got to remember Halister is an immortal wizard too, much like Aserak. Um, his prepared spell stat block is quite interesting. He has Meteor Swarm, uh, you know, Wish, Maze, Finger of Death, Chain Lightning. He has Globe of Invulnerability, all that stuff. So, you know, the fun stuff, but you can change that up. He has some special equipment. So he has a Robe of the Eyes. He has a blast scepter. Uh, what else has he got? Uh, uh, he has a horned ring, which allows him to ignore the magical resistance within, like the resistances within Undermountain. So he's just not affected by its like curses. Oh, I like that. That's cool. Yeah, he can he can cast a spell as a legendary action as you would expect. I would buff him. I would buff him up for my party, but he's uh, he's a cool character. I also realized today, looking at him, that he looks like what Orlo's going to look like when he's an old man. <laughs> the other thing as well is that you can buff him by going into the real lore and finding all of the spells that he's invented over time. Yeah. Um, so they're fun. There are also these elder runes scattered across Undermountain that he's created, and he can use those, which are really fun. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff you can do with him. Okay. Because um, there, an- there was another thing I saw that, like, in in a really odd way... Him and the dungeon have become like one and the uh, same. Yeah, one and the same. They he is the dungeon and the dungeon is him, but they're not, but they in, are. In the final combat with him, I would do uh I'm I would probably do a couple of things. I don't know how quite mechanically this would work without like actually sitting down and, and mathematically planning it out, but I would have yeah. him being able to being being in this position where he's fighting for control of his body with the weave while he's fighting you and so Mm. when the weave's in control of him the weave can has a set of legendary actions where it can bring parts of the dungeon down and it can like shake the earth and 
put cool in monsters and when Halas is in control he has the more typical like spell legendary actions and stuff and Halister will still be fighting you because he wants you to kill him he wants yeah. you to free him from the control but you get to see like these weird two sides of him and that will just kind of reinforce that madness as well so yeah i i want to plan something like that for the final fight with him that's yeah no that's that's just something that i think is cool i can imagine like even even to the level of like corridors just appearing yeah and like things just running down them straight towards a party just ah, oh, i love it definitely i also do want to note that is a there is um a mind flayer spell jammer within undermountain so if you want to bring and a helm as well down there so if you want to bring spell jammer into your game that's the way uh can you fly out of there you would have to find another way to get it out because it's you don't know how it got in there how to do you could fly it out as it's all falling and go oh that would be so badass that is one way yes (laughs) i did think about that um but you'd have to you have to get the helm from halister's personal like that's that's the seat that's his throne the helm is his his throne oh that's Um, cool so you have to go and get that but i think it's his throne or it's like in his it's in his lair on level 23 but um yeah so getting that to work would be really cool if not you could like wish it out because the idea is that Halister, like he travels the planes or he pulls things in from other planes so one day he just reached out and grabbed a spell jammer and went i want that and put it in one of the levels <laughs> he's almost like a kid that like sees a toy and he's just like i want that he's, he's a me he's a kleptomaniac 100 yeah i love that I, I just the the possibilities that can bring you can put anything in there you can yeah. just go ham i love it I feel like I'm going to listen back to this episode and be like, fucking hell, Ben, you spoke at like 55 miles per hour because you were so excited to talk about this. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, you could do this and you could do this. Ah. So I'm really no, sorry if been, I've given anyone you've been, anxiety. You've been, you've been going on about this for a long time and it was, it's... I'm like, I'm partly gutted that we didn't transition to this campaign, but I'm also not because I wanted to run Timber Annihilation. And I've had it planned since it released. So mm. I, you know, either way, I would have been happy, and I would have felt this like if if we'd have gone down the other branching timeline and played this adventure, we'd be sitting here talking about Tomb of Annihilation. So you know, there's that. <laughs> Can to you about. imagine that conversation? <laughs> oh god, oh, mate! How how do what kind of interesting monsters are there, Ben? What what interesting ideas have you got for that, Ben? Oh I, god! I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you what you're <laughs> going to be doing when you reach 20th level, if you survive. Can I, I'll just say this for the listeners that are like, so obviously there, there are the people on the Patreon that like, we'll get the occasional update from like our home game. Yeah, we just talk um, about it. Yeah. Um, so recently Ben just injected, like I, we'd all sort of probably forgotten about it and it, it wasn't, it wasn't, necessarily anything we like i i didn't even note it down yeah it was probably quite an important thing to note down because i remember noticing it when it happened but i my character just had a slardy kind of tadpole <laughs> yeah manifest- you a, uh, manifesting you fought a red slard in um one of the mines and it you failed the constitution check and that was over 20 it was over a month ago in game time <laughs> and yeah. the slard tadpoles take three months to gestate and then it literally says that they just burst out of your chest like you start feeling sick and an hour later you're dead that was that was just a shocker for me (laughs) when when i go over to a guy and he just gets rid of it and i'm like 
Wait, what? And we're yeah, all like, you were. Um, wait, what? You were in the Temple of Savras with Grandfather Zintambwe, and he, he, being a diviner, <laughs> pulled you over and cured you. And I think three of the players went, Oh shit, oh. I know what that is. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember having to do the constitution save and then going, Oh, well. I haven't they seen anything passed. about yeah. it. Can't be that important. <laughs> I um, I have a little tracker sheet for like things that are wrong with each of the player, like what diseases and stuff they have, and it's had that on it for so long. And I'm so glad I can delete that now. <laughs> but I was genuinely like concerned that you weren't gonna go and see grandfather's in Tamway. That and would then, have been like, so just funny. One random day, a just xenomorph would have just burst out of your chest because <laughs> that would have been so unrewarding for you as well. Yeah. But so, I think it would have been funny, and that's like, you know... You say that uh, now, you wouldn't have been happy if it had happened. <laughs> no, I can imagine us getting to, like, high levels, probably, like, you know, getting towards, like, the end game stuff, maybe, and... Pff, oh, know, no! Frog <laughs> just burst dead. out of my chest. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway, look, we've been talking for ages, so we should wrap this up. So thank you for letting me tell you all about the lore of Halister and Undermountain. I've really enjoyed it. I've loved it, and you've just given me more reasons to to want to read this book and run it in Wildmount. Yeah, definitely. I think definitely my, my, on the list. My parting advice is: don't become discouraged if you read through it and you can't find any story. There is story there. You just have to insert it and find it and build it. That's that's your job as the DM. You can do it. I believe in you. Cool. That was that was everybody. We believe in all of you. Yeah, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the listener. I don't believe in you. You, you. you couldn't do it. No, you know, it's fine. He only relies on me for every topic suggestion. It's all oh, good. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I, I knew I could get it in there in the last minute. You okay, Ben, uh, minute. I've yeah. really got to go now. Yeah, it's of course like, you have. All right, buddy. It's, it's, it's getting real late. <laughs> um, if you want to get involved with the podcast, all the normal ways of doing it at We Speak Common on Twitter and Instagram, We Speak Common at Hotmail.com for the D&D Agony Aunt. It is reopened again. If you've got any problems in your campaign, you want to hear how I would tackle it and how someone else would tackle it, bring those in. I want to hear them. And if you want to support the show, the links to the Patreon are in the description below. Sam, thank you very much. Have a fantastic evening, even though we're both sweating profusely in this hot English weather. Um, <laughs> and I will speak to you very, very soon. Thank you. See you later. Bye. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, do us a favour and share us with a friend or a D&D group near you. If you'd like to directly support We Speak Common, you can by heading to the links in the description, either on this episode or via our social medias to find our Patreon. It's the best way to directly support the production of more shows like the one you listen to today. You can connect with the show on Twitter and Instagram at We Speak Common. The music in the episode is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is held under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. You can find it on the Free Music Archive. Music